Welcome to our weekly Wednesday Shir. This week's Pashas Vahishlach. And tonight is Yud Dalid Kislev. Second. Excuse me, that was rude. Must have a cup here. <laughs> Yudalit Kislev is the anniversary of the Rebbe and the Rebbetson. A very important date for us as Chassidim. The month of Kislev in general, as we said, Tes Kislev, Yud Kislev, Yudalit Kislev, and the next we've mentioned Yud Tes Kislev. Yudtes Kislev is the Rosh Hashanah for Chassidus. But Yudalit Kislev is where we connect. We as Chassidim connect to our Rebbe, connect to him as a seventh day, as the seventh generation of the chain as we find that the Rebbe being the son-in-law of the Friedrich Rebbe although when the Rebbe was born there were many instructions sent to his parents from the Rebbe Rashab about how, what, when, where should be taken care of what should, be hap- what should happen with this child because he was already groomed from birth And the Rebbe now, as a son-in-law of the Friedrich Rebbe, for many, at the time already, people knew that there was something special with the Rebbe, and therefore the Rebbe would resume the mantle. Although, as Chassidim, we look at our Rebbe and we say, our Rebbe is going to live until Mashiach, going to take us out of Golis. And the Friedrich Rebbe, was a very, very regal person. Friedrich Rebbe, throughout his trials and tribulations that he went through in, in, in war-torn Russia, through Russia, through Riga, through everything that he went through throughout the war, until they finally were able to save him and bring him across to America, where he announced America is Nishtanjish, America is no different than anywhere else in the world, any part of Europe, and therefore... A yid must continue and persevere to be the way they always lived. By taking the Rebbe as his son-in-law, this now became the Hemshech, the continuation of the chain, the continuation of the, the another link into the Shalshelis, the chain of Sid of, of Rabbeim, as we know, <coughs> it's brought down Chassidus that each and every Rebbe had comes from a neshama kloli, from a general neshama, and therefore, whether the Alter Rebbe or the Fidik Rebbe or the Mitle Rebbe or any other Rebbe, <coughs> spiritu- spirituality was at the same level. 
although us as Chassidim, as connected to the Rebbe as we were, saw and found and lived in the words and with the words of the Rebbe, and existed and coexisted because of the Chassidus that the Rebbe inseminated and gave us over, but still in all, this all comes from, and as the Rebbe said many, many times, and quoted the previous Rabbeim, and almost all my marim, many of my marim, at least, all Rabbeim are quoted in the Maimah somewhere or somehow, thus showing the continuity of the Chassidus, continuity of the generations and of the, the Holy Neshamas, and therefore, Yud Dalit Kislev brings us this connection to the Rebbe, and the story of itself, and how the marriage took place, and what happened with the wedding, the parents of the Rebbe were not there, <coughs> sorry, but they, how they celebrated it in Almata, the Rebbe's father was exiled already, and how they celebrated the wedding and the neighbors and another apartment and the whole story we've spoken about at length in previous shirim. If not, we could always read up on it. It's a beautiful, beautiful story, but um, very touching, but unfortunate that the parents were not able to be there. We look at that sometimes and we look at a, a an orphan chasen, the orphan kala. And we say how sad it is that the parents are not there, that both parents are not there to take the child to the Chuprachman al Islam. Should never the hail they see it, shouldn't never happen to anyone. After war torn Europe it was a very commonplace thing. People went to the Chuppah without their parents. The main <coughs> stay focus is the Chassan Kala. The mainstay focus is how the Chassan and the Kala will get along, and the Chassan Kala will find common ground, and the Chassan Kala will live a proper life. <laughs> they tell a story of a mother-in-law that was angry at a son-in-law, but angry, really angry. But she didn't want to unleash her anger in front of everybody. One day she caught him in a corner, and she cornered him off, and she ripped it into him, as we say. She really gave him over the head. He didn't say a word. <coughs> he didn't respond. He went to his rav. And he told his rav what happened. He didn't say what she said, but he told him what happened. So the rav asked him, did anyone else hear this? And he said, no. So then, delete it. Forget about it. Don't think about it again. It's only between you and her. It'll go away. And so the man davened very, very diligently that his Shalom Bayez should stay intact, nothing should happen, that his mother-in-law shouldn't get upset with him, shouldn't be upset with him. And this he davened day in, day out. Weeks later, the mother-in-law approaches him and says to him, I am sorry. He says, for what? He says, for what I said to you. He says, I don't know what you said, you didn't say anything. She tried to remind him of this, and he says, please, I I don't remember it. You're the only one that seems to remember. Does anybody else know about this? She says, no. She says, so then it must have been a dream. 
let's just forget it. It's gone. It's over with. And because he was mevata, because he gave up on it so easily and so f- strongly and so firmly, um, he was blessed by Hashem with Shalom Bayez, with long life, longevity. He was blessed with Kenai Nahara. You can't say Kenai but I guess at this point, 20 children and hundreds of grandchildren or over a hundred grandchildren, whatever it was. And the family became a viable family because of the fact that he did not make an issue of it because he took something, he took the reprimand and he filed it away since nobody else heard it anyway and just put it to where it doesn't belong, to where it shouldn't have been to begin with. We find, similarly, (coughs) Yaakov and Esav meet. Yaakov is still petrified of Esav, to an extent. More for his children than for himself. And we find that within the Pasha itself, the story of, not the story of, the happening of when Yaakov sends the children across and he stays, he's still on the other side alone and the angel of Esau comes to battle him. And the battle they have overnight, throughout the night, until the angel says to him, you have to let me free, I have to go to Seishira. And before, as they wrestled all night long, before he went, he touched Yaakov's sciatic nerves, if anybody knows what it was. It's called the Gid Hanosha. And he caused Yaakov to limp for that. But, and therefore, we have a halacha. The halacha is that we're not allowed to eat the Gid Hanosha, which is in the hind part of the animal, and therefore generally, because in the Ashkenazic world at least, we don't know how to take care of that how to take it out, how to devein it we don't eat the hind parts of an animal um, there are those that say they can and whatever, but the general populace doesn't wrestling with an angel and ultimately telling Esav just that, I've met up with your whole source and your roots and I'm not really scared of you but the fact is that I don't didn't want you to kill off the whole family, my whole family so I split the family up so that if Esav comes to one, the other one can run away to discuss exactly how he divided and who he divided and who he sent first to send as a, as a sail, as Azazel, as we call it, a sacrifice. It's a whole different entity. Nobody wants any of their children ever hurt. And in today's day and age, unfortunately, everything has to be done with silk gloves. And parents walk literally on raw eggs. And parents need to be careful because the slightest word today, the slightest turn of the nose, the slightest imperfect reaction to a child, today's day and age, unfortunately, triggers off things that should never happen. 
memories that a child can sometimes have embedded within them that need to be uprooted, that they need to be pulled out. In general, a person tends to, in the course of their lifetime, amass certain memories of things they want blotted out of their lives. Sometimes, a person is extremely, extremely strong, as we said in the story, and they can just say, it happened, Takib, I don't want it to ever happen, I didn't want it to happen, I didn't want it to happen, I don't want it to happen to me today. By remembering it, by remembering it, by reliving it, I'm making it happen again. I'm bringing it back again. It's not shot that the memory is hurting me, because the memory is not hurting me. It's the fact that because I'm remembering it, I'm making it happen again. So one way to eradicate is if a person is extremely, extremely strong, and the person undertakes within themselves, I'm not going to let this get me. I'm not going to let it get me down. I'm going to forgive full-heartedly whoever did whatever they did to me, and I will move on in life. A parent, whoever it was that did to me anything, and I can move on. Or, sometimes a person needs to have that one confidant that they talk out to and they express to and they feel safe with and they feel that they can say it and they can repeat it and the person will not judge them and the person will not think about them the person will not ill-advise them the person will not I'm not looking for advice I'm saying it just to get rid of it I'm saying it to move it on I'm saying so I can move on in my life I'm saying so I could push this away and I can just more than just bury it, because if I bury it, it can come back up, because we know that uh, the Gemara tells us about the fingernails. When a person cuts the fingernails, there's three ways of discarding them. The Russians discards them wherever they are, they just throw them down, which therefore can cause damage to people. Generally, they say to a pregnant woman, if a pregnant woman steps on a nail, in the place where it fell, then they can miscarry, or the damage to the child. The tzaddik buries it so that nobody should get harmed by it, and the chassid burns it. What is the difference of the chassid and the tzaddik? One burning a even a fingernail, obviously after it's cut. Burning a fingernail is also does damage to the person himself. But the person is prepared to damage themselves so that they don't damage somebody else. That's the Midas HaChasid. A tzaddik buries it. Nothing wrong with burying it. By burying it, it's obviously not going to hurt anybody. However, there is a possibility that it could resurface. Although, if it resurfaces, it's not the place where it was was actually put down on the ground, and therefore it should not do any damage, regardless. It is a fingernail, and therefore it should never be in contact with anybody again. So the tzaddik, although they buried it, or they flushed it down the toilet, it could resurface, because it still exists. But it's still a tzaddik, because they made sure not to hurt somebody else. So things, if you bury it, when one buries something, it, gets, it could resurface. So we don't want to bury it. We want to totally wipe it out. We want to totally take it away. We want to totally 
erased. And even with the eraser, talk about the Yin of Tshuva. When it says about the Yin of Tshuva, it's compared to a pencil. A person writes with a pencil on a paper. And then they decide they don't want that. They don't want it, what it says there. They didn't like it or they made a mistake. They take the eraser part and they erase what they wrote. It still remains discolored, the paper. The words are gone, but the paper is still discolored. And if a person writes with a pencil hard enough, it becomes engraved in the paper. But still, one can do tshuva and have it totally, totally eradicated. So there remains no sign of it. And not only that, Zdainus Nasleikazaki is the Averis, the sins, get elevated to become as good as and become treated as merits to the person. Yaakov's meeting with Esau, Yaakov understood himself. Yaakov was going out now on a journey and he knew the journey was only a temporary journey and he knew he did not have to have the the comforts of home he needed the luxuries of home he knew that he just needed to have what he just to get by the bare minimums here on the journey but he took with him the share and the chamer Shedish of Mashiach where he tells Yisav, I have this between Yisav and Yisachar, between the Tera, between the Kanishir, the horns of Yisav, which Yisav, the Shama, was higher than that of Esav, and therefore was able to counteract, counteract Esav. And therefore, Yaakov says to him, I can come, to, come on, come, go with you head to head. And thereby conquer you, and thereby move on and forge ahead. I don't have to be. I'm not scared of you. However, the physical, natural protocol says dictates one needs to prepare. One needs to be understand how one needs to prepare for war. And therefore, he prepared gifts, and he prepared battle. He prepared all the different things that, just in case things would not go right, the first, the first maneuver, the first approach ultimately he was prepared to battle Yaakov himself though was concerned Yaakov felt he had gone through many many, many miracles through love and etc all that he went through and therefore he tells I'm I'm just small in myself and I'm concerned that maybe perhaps I don't have the merits that I need to have anymore. Perhaps I'm still in need of other merits in order to be able to overcome Esav. HaKadosh Baruch Hu guarantees him and tells him that he can move on, that he can forge ahead, and that he has what he needs to have. But a very interesting, and I've said it many times, but I just feel it's very interesting to repeat. Rashi tells us when he says, Yeshli, uh, that So Rashi says, let's quote properly.
Rashi says, Miyad Ochi, Miyad Esav, Miyad Ochi. The hand of my brother is Ein Noyeg Imi Ka'och, who doesn't act like a brother to me, Elik Esav Arasha, but rather like Esav Arasha. But the question, that's what Rashi is telling us in Pshutish Amikra. The hand of my brother, who doesn't act like a brother. Why say it? Why reiterate it? And why talk Lashon Hara? Technically, it's Lashon Hara. If he's saying, Ochi, but he's not really my brother, doesn't act like my brother, it's a very interesting thing, Lashon Hara. The person doesn't have to actually say, you know what this person did. If when a person is mentioned, and the person says, oh, really? What do you know about this guy? What do you know about this person? Stop! That's really a gather of Lashon Hara. It goes into really a little bit of a level. Don't talk good about a person either. If you're talking good about a person, ultimately you're either going to make, you yourself are going to make some kind of derogatory term middle, causing Lashon Hara, or the person that you're saying to is going to have something to say about it. Or when the person repeats what he heard about the good things about this person, someone else will say something bad about it. Don't we don't talk about other people? We seek we keep our own we keep their own lives, we keep their own forms and everything else, and therefore we don't have to come out to any other person's reports and th- and words. He says as follows Hatsileni no miyadachi, save me from the hands of my brother. So Rashi, as we just said, said, because he's not really he doesn't act like my brother. Fashim tells a little deeper than that. I'm scared he's going to act like my brother. Hatsileni no miyad ochi, save me if he comes to me as a brother. And he tells my children, come to Uncle Esav. Come, I have candy for you. Come, I have good things for you. And he tries to be a good uncle to them. His influence is not a good influence. I know that. And I'm worried, Chas he should influence my children. I don't want my children exposed to what he has to offer. Hatsileni no miyad ochi, save me from my hand of the hand of my brother in case he comes as a brother and tries to be a brother to me. I'm asking you, Akadosh Baruch Hu, save me from that hand so that it does not affect my children. Anim yad esav. And from the hand of Esav, if Chas Shalom, he doesn't want to come like a brother, but rather he comes, he wants to come like Esav, then I need to be saved from that as well. So even if he comes as a brother, and acts like an actual brother, and wants to be an uncle to my children, Hatsileni Nagad, please save me from such a thing, I don't want him to influence my children, Chas Shalom. They meet. Ultimately they meet. Tells us the Tera, Vayipel al Tzavarov Vayishakehu, fell on his shoulder and kissed him. With the four hundred people, Esav came, and definitely under the, he was under the impression Yaakov was under the impression this means war. When they meet, it becomes a very very emotional meet. And Esav runs towards Yaakov and hugs him and kisses him. And they cry. 
what happened to Esav. Let's be real. This is not Esav. <coughs> this is not who he is, what he was, what he was known for. Sirashi so says, Nizgalgul Rachmav, Kishiro Mishtachu Kalashavayslev. Yaakov humbled himself and bowed down to Esav each time, several times. Esav became very, very emotional from that. And therefore, he became very compassionate. That's how Rashi begins the explanation. However, according to that, one would think, Chas v'sholem, we, so in Yiddish it's word, Chanfe agoy, we try to impress agoy with something that we have, something that we did, something that they said as they did, to tell them how nice they are and how good they are. And the proof in the pudding, Yaakov treated Esav so, pro- so properly, so Esav felt, was, was, felt compassion towards him. Rashi continues, and brings the words of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai. And Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai says, Halacha hi, there's a halacha. It's known by Yedua Esav Seine Yaakov. Esav will always be hate, will always hate Yaakov. That moment he had some compassion for him. Fullheartedly. But in the general consensus, Esav always hates Yaakov. Why is Rashi using this expression from why why is Rashim Bayakha use the expression Halochahi? It's a halacha. What does halacha come into the fact of Esav hating Yaakov? Rabbi Shimon wanted to emphasize the actual fact that the, the hatred of Esav towards Yaakov, it doesn't have any kind of variations to it. Just like a halacha is perpetual, and we can't just change a halacha the way it's supposed to be, Rabbi Shimon is kevea and establishes before us. Don't ever try to dis, dis, um, to diminish. Sorry, don't ever try to diminish the hatred that Asaph has towards us. It's not something that we did. It's not something that we caused. It's not something that we are saying. The fact that they say that the Esav hates us because the Jews take all the money, the Jews do this, the Jews do that. It doesn't work like that. Esav hates us because their roots are as such. And it does not change. And we need to know this, and we need to act on this, and we need to remember this. And it does not change. It's only Be'es Only that moment, at that time, 
that Esav had compassion to Yaakov. On the general consensus, let us not be fooled, let us all remember this. For all those that Rahman al-Islam tried to go out there and intermarry or anything of the sort, Esav, Sayyidina the Yaakov. They're very nice to us, and they're very kind to us, and they're very bebe, 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 but bottom line, in the World War, during World War II, during the Holocaust, many people that were married to non-Jewish spouses were sold out by their spouse. <coughs> when they tried to hide, and the spouse told the Germans, oh, the Jew is in there. I know this is going on on a limb, and the liberals would probably hang me for saying these things and these words, but this is a fact, and that's why Rabbi Shimon Bayechai puts it as a halacha. It's a perpetual thing. This this saying from Rabbi Shimon Bayechai is a very, very lifelong thing. And we need to understand that we have to apply it into our very days. In today's day where the Edom and Esav is Edom, this is the goddess of Edom, in the very harsh decrees against the Jewish nation in general, and personal here, as we know, that they try to hide, that Shimbaicha himself had to hide 13 years in a cave because the Romans wanted to kill him. And Shimon went to Rome to nullify the decrees that were put against the Jews, and he was successful. If you keep in score at home, this is all talked spoken about in the Gemara Shabbos, Lamed Gimel, Lamed Beis, and there's another Gemara Mi'ila, Yuzayin, Lamed Beis. We therefore see, here as well, the two, t- two sides of the coin. From one side, the perpetual hatred of Malchus Edim to the Jews, in general, and to Rabbi Shimon especially. From the other side, him himself, who knew how the Romans actually operated, was able to succeed and to change over and to get into their good part, their good uh, good side, so much so that he got them to nullify the decree. This is a, we have a perpetual lesson in our lives for this. During the time of Golos, where we're still under the rule of the Goyim, although we have Eretz Yisrael, but in Eretz Yisrael itself, we also have plenty of trials, tribulations. From one side, a Jew cannot depend on the guarantee of a non-Jew. Malchus Edim, the halacha is, as it's known, Esav Seinel Yaakov. On the other hand, a Jew has the potential and the power to cause, to turn the heart of the hatred and have them show some compassion. When a Jew stands staunch with their Yiddishkeit, and their behavior, and they attach themselves to Taylor Mitzvahs the way they're supposed to, and they let Esav know, Im Lovan Garti, although I was by Lovan, 
I kept the Tariag mitzvahs, I kept all 613 mitzvahs. Rashi uses here the Gemafia, the, the letters Garti, and says this is the words Tariag 613. If a person puts that up, that not a facade, but an actual face, and shows this is how they actually live, then the nations around us will see and they will understand that Hashem Echad, Echad, that we believe that God is one, His name is one, and therefore we believe that God will prevail and God will take us to where we have to go. And we'll be able to go as the Haftarah finishes off, will be for the Kaddish Baruch Hu, the Melucha. The Shir will be recorded in two parts. This is part one, whenever it's part two, or this is later.